right. Hi, everybody. Hello. Welcome to your Friday. You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and sometimes babies crying <laughs> and pooping in the background. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy. Remy did not take a nap, so this is what's happening because I'm home alone. And no one judges her for that. No. Well, they shouldn't. Fuck. No. What can I do about that? <laughs> Nothing. But you keep apologizing. <laughs> like, it's all your fault and you're this horrible person. And you're not. Well, no. I just... I just can't control when she sleeps. She I know. sleeps... She follows a usual schedule until I need her to follow that schedule. Yeah. And then she won't do it. So... <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> And it's totally okay. We love you and we support you. Well, thank you. And you have the prettiest baby. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Alright, so... I've got a treat for you guys today. Um, Yay. But first, I wanted to... I wanted to pull this one up. Because it's... I know there are, like, two sides to this. For a lot of people. And I'm just curious to see what you think. Because I don't think we've ever talked about this. Okay. Um, and I, I, this I'm will, intrigued. Yeah, this will be fun. So, I'm not going to um, read this title. It was published three days ago. It was written by Ann okay. W. Smith for Fox News. Because um, we use that a lot for this nonsense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... It seems the rules for how much to spend on an engagement ring aren't dead yet. At oh least Oh my god, some. what? Yep. This is where we're going. I have a feeling that you're you'd be on my side with this. Okay. Um but I don't know. Um a woman reportedly returned her engagement ring to her partner because it didn't cost ten percent of his salary. What? The ring which is made of white gold with diamonds and sapphire. Cost the man it sounds about, beautiful. Yeah, cost the man about $3,000. However, he allegedly makes enough that if he followed the 10% rule, which says he should spend one-tenth of his salary on an engagement ring, he should have spent between $10,000 and $15,000. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I, that is so stupid. No, there is absolutely no reason you should be spending a shit ton of money on a ring. In fact, it would make me really mad. It would make me so mad. Yeah. Also, my engagement ring was free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I am very happily married. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, um... It was my great-grandmother's ring. Oh. My wedding band was $200. That's it. Yeah. In fact, buying you something pretty that didn't cost very much would be more more appealing to me because that means that he's res- a responsible person. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Because, like, one time, Ugh. I don't remember who I was talking to. I'm pretty sure it was my mom and someone else. Or, no, no one, my mom. It was, it was a family member and someone else. I don't remember who. Um, but I mm-hmm. was like... I. I don't understand why people want to spend, like, over $1,000 on a ring. That seems ridiculous. And they're like, yep. well, it it means that he doesn't love you that much if he doesn't spend that much. 
And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I don't think that sure. that's what that means at all. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> In fact, I think you have some questionable values, yeah. person. Um, don't care for that. Nope. At least he didn't do what Michael Scott did. Three years salary. Oh God. They usually they they I I've heard three months like three months pay. Yeah. Well, we we which talk I about guess is like ten percent or something. I don't know, but yeah, no, that's stupid. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, Buy something tasteful. Yeah, that's all you have to do. So the man posted about his dilemma on the Reddit's "Am I the asshole?" forum, which is a fun. No, forum. you're not. <laughs> Your fiance is. Yeah. Asking if he had done the wrong thing by spending only three thousand dollars on the engagement ring for his fiance. In the post, he explained that while he does make a sizable salary, this year has been somewhat challenging because he's been financially supporting his parents, sister, and nephew who all had COVID-19. He is also Wow, still your fiancé is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he is also still supporting his sister who lost her job. Um, to make matters worse, he said his job announced that 150 people will be laid off next year, so he wanted to be smart about his spending, though he doesn't think he'll be laid off. Even though the ring he bought was only $3,000, it was designed in a way that his partner wanted, the man said. He even had the sapphire custom cut into a pear shape as she preferred. Wow. Initially, she was very happy with it until her mother, a jeweler, called it cheap, the man wrote. She has since given it back to me and accused me of undervaluing her and what she does for me. That includes caring for their 18-month-old and doing most of the cooking and housework, he added. Since she returned the ring, the man's partner is reportedly refusing to talk to him. Her, her parents her parents seem to be a huge part of the problem. Um, yeah. Her parents are accusing me of using her and treating her like cheap trash, he wrote. I've tried to explain my point of view, but they won't listen and are demanding an at least 10% ring. They sound like snobby dicks. Yeah. Most of the commenters sided with the man, with the top commenter asking how $3,000 is considered cheap. It's not. Not at all. Um, other people chimed in to say that the cost of the ring shouldn't really matter. As a proud wearer yeah. of a $400 engagement ring, I cannot fathom wasting thousands on a piece of jewelry, one person wrote. Someone else said, a ring is a ring. Mine was about 500 pounds, and I was so totally happy with my ring. It's perfect. To be honest, my, if my it's husband... It's not about the ring. It's no. about the symbol. Exactly. It's about the fact that he wants to spend his life with you. It's the gesture, not how much he spent on the fucking ring. Exactly. That makes you shallow and cheap. It does. Uh, and honestly, if he's supporting his whole family, and you... And your kid on his salary. Then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need a giant ring. And he still found $3,000 to spend on you. That is, that speaks volumes, yeah. ma'am. And clearly you're not worth it. You're not even worth $3,000 because that is ridiculous. Yeah, That no. is obscene behavior. Wow. <laughs> This person said, to be honest, if my husband spent any more than that, I would have been so annoyed with him. Uh, Me too. Any more than the 500 pounds that her spent on her. Yes. Um, yeah. I, and I, I would be, to what be honest. What if you lose it? Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I'd be annoyed if you spent $500. 
You have to get insurance if it's more than that. If it's like crazy expensive. Yeah. Another commenter even pointed out that the 10% quote-unquote rule was a marketing ploy invented by the diamond industry, which is true, according to The Knot. Yes. The wedding website wrote that Diamond Cartel De Beers, which I I remember learning about this, actually. This is mm-hmm. why I was finally like, no, we're not spending a shit ton of money on jewelry. We're not doing it. No, um, there's no point. It gets lost. It gets broken. There's no point. And you have to spend more money insuring it every every month. Yeah. And a lot In of diamonds. In case it gets lost or broken. And a lot of diamonds are blood diamonds. And I don't care for that at all. At all. No. Um, the wedding re- website wrote that Diamond Cartel De Beers created a marketing campaign in the 1930s that convinced men that if they really loved their significant others, they would spend at least a month of their salary on an engagement ring. By the 1980s, the amount increased to two months' salary. And today, it is three months' salary. If you spend three months of your salary on my engagement ring, I will kill you. Yeah, that is ridiculous. I will kill you. I would punch you. If you spend a month of your salary on my engagement ring, I might kill you. Just buy something tasteful. Because bills are a thing that you still have. Um... Okay. Show your fiancé that you're responsible with your finances. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. How about that? Um, okay. He's clearly a very good person if he's taking care of his entire family. Yeah. Like that. Like, wow. Yeah. You're clearly undervaluing the person. It's about the person, not the ring. Exactly. Okay. So now on to funny stuff. This is from ABC7news.com. <laughs> and uh, it's under Caught on Camera. So there is obviously a video of this. Um, and this is by Dion Lim. And it was posted Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. San Francisco grandma flips table to defend business after customer hurls hand sanitizer jugs at staff. What? <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> oh, Jesus in the temple. Um, <laughs> That's an image. <laughs> Stunning video out of San Francisco's Mission District shows a business owner and grandma defending her restaurant after a customer learns her to go order will take longer than expected. Oh my god! Doris Campos is the owner of Panchita's Pooper... Poopersia? Whatever that is. Sure. It sounds great. Um, Which has been (laughs) along 16th Street near Valencia for 30 years. While she's had her share of diners who dash without paying and others who try and pass counterfeit bills, she has never dealt with a customer quite like the one who walked in the night after Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. Jesus Christ. Um, at that moment, I had to do what I had to do because my daughter and grandson were in the middle of the drama, says Campos. Oh, no! <laughs> that drama all played on surveillance video where you can see a customer walks in and appears agitated. We told her it would take 15 minutes and it took about 20 minutes, says Campos's daughter and manager Doris Vargas. Five minutes more? Mm-hmm. That's it? When Vargas tries to stop her, the woman attacked, giving a whole new meaning to the term hangry. 
<laughs> I mean, I get it. It's annoying, but yeah. shit. Yeah. Um. Oh, she grabbed a jug of five-pound hand sanitizer and launched it at me while I was holding my son, said Vargas. Oh, my God. Um. That's when nearby 60-year-old grandma grabs whatever she can, including a table, flips it, and pushes it toward the woman who to defend her family and nice. her business. Yep. Nice. Um, She's a badass. She is. Um, operating a small business during the pandemic is hard enough as it is with ever-changing restrictions. With San Francisco's new curfew soon to be in effect, there are fewer hours for dine-in service. Now some restaurants are forced to make concessions to keep customers happy. For example, mm-hmm. if someone wants to order a bottle of wine to go, we'll offer a 20% discount, says Lori Thomas. Nice. Uh, keep your bar a, sales, yeah. Uh, who's a restaurant owner herself. Um, I would ask everyone to please be understanding. We're not doing this for fun. Most are trying to pay the bills and pay their employees and health insurance and taxes without much financial relief. Exactly. As for what happened at Panchita's, the woman eventually left the restaurant and thankfully no one was hurt. San Francisco police say an investigation is ongoing. Well, Um, surely they have her information because you have to, like, leave a phone number or something to place your order. Yeah, I'm sure. Um... Doris Vargas is speaking out in hopes of identifying the woman and holding her accountable. Uh, Bad behavior is something we don't forecast for, says Vargas. She has this message for the community that has been so good to her family for so many years. Be considerate of the employees and the business, and just have some empathy for the industry itself. We're trying to stay afloat for the community and for ourselves. Okay, so I... I paused for a second because there's an ad that came up in the middle of this. Um, and do you remember that old lady that um, coughed on a baby in San Francisco that we talked about on Cricket yes. News? Yes. She was identified. Good. Was she slapped uh, without prejudice? <laughs> she was fired from her Good. job. A South Bay Good. teacher who allegedly coughed on baby in Yogurtland loses job. Um, Ugh. which she absolutely should have. Absolutely. Teachers should be humans, not assholes. Yeah. Um, they don't want someone with that kind of disregard, blatant disregard for safety. Yeah. On staff. She, um, the officials put out a statement, which is actually a great statement. Um, okay. They cooperated with police, um, and she has been fired, and she's not been arrested yet, but they're trying to remove her teaching license. Wow. So, they're taking this shit seriously. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so that was a little update on that. That's incredible that we <laughs> got that in the middle of this. <laughs> seriously. Um, did not plan that, guys. No. Okay, so this last one is just super funny, uh, especially because it happened here in the U.S. Um, this is also from Fox News, Las Vegas. It was published literally yesterday um, by Bradford Betts. So, um, a camel was spotted at a Bath and Body Works in Nevada recently with its owner. Video footage shows. What? Yeah. 
This is my emotional support camel. <laughs> yes. It's huge. It's white. <laughs> it's uh, white? Yeah, it's a white camel. Um, I didn't know camels could be white. I didn't know either. Um, the owner can be seen leading the animal by a leash into the store. The camel casually strolls in as staff and fellow shoppers appear to clear a path. <laughs> Cause what else do you do? What you split well, yeah, like you the Red Sea? Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to get spit on. <laughs> Others on the street can be seen with their phones out, capturing the unusual spectacle on video. Can you imagine just being in Bath and Body Works or working there? Uh, for God's sake, that place is a hellhole to work in. A hundred percent no. And just nope. Seeing a camel walk in. Like, nope. <laughs> nope. It's that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. That's, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> and USA Today does have a video of this up that was posted yesterday. So if you want to go on their Twitter, it, it's fucking hilarious. It's so bizarre. <laughs> that's really it. They just they walking don't... in with the. <laughs> Just walking in with a with a camel, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just walking in. They they literally don't like give any other information. I don't know if it's emotional support camel. I don't know what's going on. It's just there was a camel that walked into Bath and Body Works, and everyone split like the Red Sea for him to come inside. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yep. So, that's my segment. I love it. Alright, let's take a quick break. Okay. So, we're back. Hello. Alright, so. I was hungry when I did my notes. Yeah. Oh, now you're going to make us both starving. Yep. Pretty much. Great. So, um, I'm already starving, so this (laughs) is going to be terrible. Um... So I decided to uh, delve into the world of fast food. Oh, so maybe I won't this be popped so up. <laughs> this popped up in my uh, this popped up in my inbox the other day of what fast food looked like in every decade since the turn of the twentieth century. Okay. So um, this is by Genevieve Carlton, who was published March twenty third of twenty twenty. I so, love the name Genevieve. It's very pretty. I have a friend who named her daughter that, and they call her Evie. Oh. Um, in the 1950s, fast food was all the rage. McDonald's, Burger, T- Burger King, and Taco Bell dished up food across the country. Taco Bell fast food restaurants. Apparently, I didn't know that either. Wow. And fast food restaurants in the in the 1960s expanded into the delivery service. 1970s fast food restaurants served up the first fast food breakfast menus, including the world's first egg McMuffin. <laughs> My favorite. I like the sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. I don't like the McMuffin. Oh. I like the McGriddle. I like just a plain sausage McGriddle. I I think the McMuffin is just a little too dry for me. It's been, like, really dry every time I've gotten one, and I don't... They can be really greasy, too, to be fair. I like the sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffins. Mm, Those are I like sausage, though. I love the sausage, egg, and cheese biscuits. Those are really good. Mm-hmm. Just a plain old sausage biscuit is a good day. Mm-hmm. And they're just a dollar. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but what was fat? Also, by the way, they have blueberry muffins now that are delicious. I didn't need to know that. Yeah. Sorry. And they're all day. <laughs> oh, of course they are. <laughs> and they have a cr- like a streusel topping. They're delicious. Okay. So. They have their holiday fast- pies out and they're really good. Yeah, I need to get one. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll go on an adventure here in a minute, Remy. All right. But but what was fast food like in the other decades since 1900? Early 20th century fast food seems almost unrecognizable today. In Manhattan, hungry tourists and workers could pop into a store and buy meatloaf and mashed potatoes from a giant vending machine. <laughs> no, you're lying to yeah. me. In the 1940s, In-N-Out created the first modern drive-through, and oh. in the, and that's still around, by the way. I yeah. think it's I think it's out west. Um, and yeah. in the 1990s, fast food restaurants pioneered value menus to attract more customers. Yeah, which I don't hate. Um, it, I even try, since the 1990s, so, what I want to try In-N-Out and Whataburger. Yes, and they're both. Out I need on to the do West Coast. Shake Shack. Shake Shack is in New York. Ooh. Um. In the 1990s, fast food re- uh, d- even in s- even since the 90s, fast food restaurants have changed their look and menus. Of course, we've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but how else has has fast food changed since 1990? They Let's all became depressed see. adults. <laughs> yes. All right, so the first American automat opens, introducing Americans to takeout dining. So here we go. This Mm -hmm. is in the 1900s. Oh. Wow. Fast food was brand new at the turn of the 20th century. The recently invented automat offered a new high-tech experience for hungry diners. Diners would insert coins into a massive vending machine to retrieve their meal. Horn and Hardart? Hardart? Horn and Hardart? (laughs) unveiled its first automat in 1902. The new method of lunching, a New York Times advertisement declared, try it, you'll like it. And boy, did we. We (laughs) liked it way too much. What did people buy from automats? Yes. (laughs) What did people buy from automats? We still have stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, The vending machines contained sandwiches, chicken pot pie, and hot slices of pie. Yum. The hot food options included... Now, well, you've got stuff where you can get, like, a chicken salad sandwich or a bologna and cheese, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Some fancy offices have those. It grosses me out a whole lot. (laughs) The hot food options... uh, The hot food options included steak, soup, and mashed potatoes. If anyone ever gets me a steak... From a fucking vending machine, I will smack them with the steak because I'm Hang sure on it a will minute. be hard enough. Hang on a minute! It wasn't like a real vending machine. Okay. Behind the machine, food service workers refilled empty slots to keep the machine running smoothly. So there was always people behind it. So I'm thinking, I'm guessing that they pulled the nasty food out that had been sitting there all day and, re- and replaced it every day. You would hope that. Yeah. Uh, the slogan promised less work for mother. <laughs> <laughs> Horn and Hardart opened another because dads didn't cook. <laughs> Obviously not. Horn and Hardart, right? 
Uh, Horn and Hardart opened another automat in Times Square, truly kicking off the fast food era. Ooh, Times Square. I bet that was hopping. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the 1910s, A&W sold handmade root beer from a cart at a parade. Wow. That sounds delicious. As veterans came back from World War I, they found a new drink available for sale, root beer. <laughs> the first mug of root beer was served at a military homecoming parade in California. Aww. Soon, A&W started offering drive-in service from its California locations. Cars pulled up and a server brought out a frosty cold mug of root beer served in a, in a glass. In the 1920s, A&W expanded its locations, bringing delicious root beer to thousands of customers. Wow. Now I want root beer. I might text Josh here in a minute and add that to the list. <laughs> um, all right, 1920s. White Castle marks the first traditional fast food restaurant opening. I have never had White Castle, but it sounds disgusting. Oh, it's awful. It makes it's, you Oh, sick. I thought you were going to say awesome. <laughs> no, it, it is it's awful. It's awful. It really Isn't is. Isn't that what your grandma always wanted? No, she wanted crystals, which is just oh, as bad. Oh, which is the same. <laughs> it's the same, just a little bit different. They have corn dogs it, that are actually really good, but... Oh, um, okay. Oh, my God. Crystals is more Southern, I think, isn't it? I don't fucking know. Crystals is crystals. It is a monster in its own... Gugh. <laughs> in its own right. <laughs> yeah. All right, in 1921, Walter Anderson and Billy Ingram opened the first White Castle in Wichita, Kansas. By 1924, the chain had multiple locations in Kansas and Missouri. But White Castle wasn't just the first fast food restaurant. It also pioneered the most popular fast food. What do you think it is? Cheeseburgers. Burgers! Anderson invented the hamburger bun and developed the assembly line as a method to cook fast food. Thanks to White Castle, burgers soon became an inexpensive, fast option across the Midwest, where the chain quickly expanded. Cheeseburgers are my favorite fucking thing. That's all I want when I'm drunk. Yep. They're the best. We need to try Burger Shack next time you're out here. Yes, absolutely. It's really good. All right. So, 1930s, QSRs were slow to grow during the Great Depression. I don't know what a QSR is, but sure. (laughs) Um, quality service restaurants maybe quick service restaurants quick service restaurants there you go context clues good job the great depression was a tough time for quick service restaurants oh it's right in the first sentence (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know that I just pulled that out of my ass nice Uh, But several important milestones occurred during the 1930s. In 1930, Harlan Sanders opened a restaurant in Corbin, Kentucky, which he named Sanders Court and Cafe, which would eventually become, what do you think? KFC. KFC? Oh, my God. Sidebar. Just a second. Lifetime is partnering with KFC to make a KFC Christmas movie. I know. I saw it. It's a mini movie. Yeah. But yeah, isn't that ridiculous? It's the worst thing. Well, that Mario that just Lopez shows is going to be in it. I know that just shows how far we've gone as a society into the this depths is where of hell. We are. Yep, 
this is where we are. So <laughs> I wonder what the secret recipe is. Salt. <laughs> yep, it's salt. <laughs> they can't trust you to wash your hands, so they put a little wet wipe in there. Yep. Oh. Oh God. He's okay. Wonderful. So Jack Whitehall. Uh, the yes. The roadside restaurant serviced fried chicken to travelers and locals. Sanders didn't turn his cafe into Kentucky Fried Chicken tr- franchise until 1952. I haven't had KFC in a long time. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm so hungry. So, also in the 1930s, Howard Johnson came up with a new idea. He would let other restaurant operators use his name for a fee. Johnson, an ice cream seller, thus invented the, the restaurant franchising model, which soon became standard in the fast food industry. Yep. 1940s. The modern-day drive-thru was started by In-N-Out. In-N-Out is apparently really fucking good. So, I've heard that. In 1948, Harry and Esther Snyder popularized a new idea. Drive-thru fast food. Fuck Yes. That year, they opened the first In-N-Out Burger in Baldwin Park, California. The model built on early dri- earlier drive-in businesses, which was was one of which which one I sorry. <laughs> the model built on earlier drive-in businesses was one in which car hops took orders through car windows. So that's like Sonic. Yeah. At In-N-Out, cars drove up to a window in the store to place their orders. Customers used an intercom to relay their order, and then they received the food without leaving their car. The idea quickly cr- caught on, transforming fast food. Do you remember ooh, when ooh, Sonic we- people would like be on skates bringing you your food? Yes. Because that has only stopped very recently. Yes. Yeah, they don't do it anymore. There's, I guess there was probably, I'm going to guess there were a lot of accidents. Yeah. In 1950s, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, and Taco Bell are founded. Oh, thank God. Baskin Robbins, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Fuck Dunkin'. We had that for dinner the other day. <laughs> it was, I regret nothing. It was absolutely delicious. It was. Also, the app makes it way easier to order Taco Bell. Yes. No one misunderstands what you're saying. It's fantastic. And also, if you haven't added a jalapeno some, to some of your Taco Bell stuff, you need to step your game up. It's only 50 cents more, and it really makes the food come alive. It's so good. Mm-hmm. All right. The 1950s marked a new era in fast food history. Multiple brands that dominate the industry today trace their roots to the 1950s, including McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin-Robbins, and Taco Bell. In 1954, a milkshake salesman named Ray Kroc visited a drive-up restaurant owned by Dick and Mac McDonald. Kroc instantly invested in the business and transformed McDonald's into a giant in the fast food industry. That same year, Jim Jim McLemore and Dave Edgerton opened Burger King, while Glenn Bell founded Taco Bell. (laughs) Streamlined assembly methods distinguished 1950s fast food, and McDonald's line cooks used the speedy service system to make burgers in half the time, allowing McDonald's to to charge just 15 cents a burger or half the cost of a sit-down restaurant. Wow. Yeah. Kind of wish they were still 15 cents. (laughs) Actually, I don't. That would make it way easier. (laughs) Inflation happened. I don't like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, in the 1960s, fast pizza takes over the quick dining market. Here we go. In 1961, McDonald's opened Hamburger University in Illinois, oh, which is no. disgusting sounding, Yeah, to train employees. By 1963, the company had already sold its one billionth hamburger. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But burgers weren't the only option when it came to fast food. In the 1960s, pizza became a staple in the industry as modern pizza delivery joints took over. Pizza Hut, founded in 1958, dominated the pizza business. In the 1960s, thanks to a strong marketing campaign, by 1966, the number of franchise units had already grown to 145. Wow. Oh, I breakfast. Love Here Hut it is. Pizza. Here it is. Okay. Breakfast. In 1970s, breakfast items were introduced to fast food menus. And... In the last five years, it's become all-day breakfast, which is all we've ever wanted. McDonald's won't do all-day breakfast anymore here. What do you mean? I think COVID, like, fucked them on that, so now they're not doing all-day breakfast anymore. Oh, that's so sad! Yeah. It'll come back. I sure hope so. It'll come back. It has to come back, or I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> all right. Chains like Domino's, Wendy's, and Jack in the Box focused on lunch and dinner menus until the 1970s when many fast food chains expanded into breakfast. In fact, Jack in the Box introduced the first breakfast sandwich in 1969, but it was McDonald's that revolutionized fast food breakfast. In 1972, McDonald's created the first Egg McMuffin. Herb Peterson, a franchise owner, <laughs> Herb, <laughs> Herb, sorry, it's a name, Herb <laughs> Peterson, a franchise owner, came up with the idea, which he shared with Ray Kroc. Peterson loved Eggs Benedict and wanted to expand the idea to fast food. By 1977, McDonald's restaurants across the country were serving up Egg McMuffins and a complete breakfast menu, including hotcakes, sausage, and hash browns. Oh, their hash browns are delightful. And I love their oh, hotcakes. They're so bad for you, though. Yeah. But they're so good. Me but they're so good. Yeah. 1980s. Calories and portion sizes increased, starting an unhealthy trend. <laughs> yep. Here we go. Starting in the mid-1980s, fast food restaurants began increasing portion sizes. In according to a study in the Journal of the Academy of Nutrition and, Diet and Dietetics. Dietetics, yeah. That's a terrible word. Yep. Between 1986 and 2016, the average calorie count per main item grew by 90 calories. Yuck. For desserts, the calorie count rose by 186. What changed in the 1980s? As the fast food industry grew more crowded, chains tried to appeal to customers with larger portion sizes and more calorie-dense options. Even the size of burgers grew as more and more chains expanded their menus. 1990s, value, member, value menus gained tra traction at Burger King and Wendy's. I love Wendy's. That's oh my, my go-to. Oh my god, me too. The 1990s brought a new innovation in fast food value, mem value menus. Wendy's pioneered the idea of a value men menu in 1989. As a growing number of chains complete competed for burger sales, Wendy's used the value menu to drive new customers. 
The value menu offered nine items sold at 99 cents, including hamburgers, fries, and drinks. Burger King launched its first value menu in 1998, followed quickly by other chains, including McDonald's. McDonald's's dollar menu launched in 2003. Oh. 2000s. Oh, oh, here we go. 2000s. Fast casual dining takes off and challenges fast food restaurants. Fast food faced new competition in the two in the two thousands, when the growth of fast casual dining, well, with the growth of ca- fast casual dining in two thousand, PF Chang's China Bistro kicked off the trend with its pay, pi- I don't know how to say it, Paiwai, Paiwai. I don't know. Asian diner, sure. <laughs> uh, the the move the move came in response to growing takeout orders. Rather than opening a takeout-only location, P.F. Chang's created a fast, casual chain. Similar restaurants like Panera Bread and Chipotle promised Chipotle. Pr- promised fast. Yes. Oh my God! Promised. Fa- my I haven't life. had Chipotle in forever. The next time I'm in Bowling Green, I'm getting Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Um, similar restaurants like Panera Bread and Chipotle promised fast service with fresher ingredients than typical fast food chains. I love Panera so much. Oh, their bagels make my life li- worth living. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 2000, the 2004 premiere of Super Size Me also drove people toward healthier fast food options. Yep. Fast food options while pushing fast food chains to create new menu items to appeal to customers. And I think we're almost done. Yeah, here we are. Last one. 2010s. That's so Clean crazy. eating initiatives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and now like we're in we're a new st- decade. Isn't that like so weird? I feel like we're still in the 2010s, but I know that we're not. I know. I know. This Clean year just e- we started real. this decade with a bang. <laughs> it just doesn't feel real. <laughs> I know. Uh, 2010s. Clean eating initiatives spark chains in fast food menus. Oh, this is like the impossible meat. I, haven't, I still haven't tried it. I really want to. Apparently it's so, worse for you than the real meat. Are you fucking kidding me? No. God damn it. Yeah. Ugh! In 2006, two years after Super Size Me, 75% of adults reported that they were trying to eat healthier in restaurants. Three years later, a National Restaurant Association survey said the number one food trend was increasing the use of local produce. Oh, yeah. The clean eating movement changed the fast food industry, but not without challenges. In 2013, Burger King introduced a lower calorie French fry, but it lasted less than a year, probably because it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Still, fast food chains have increased their plant-based options, including incorporating vegan fo- in- incorporating vegan foods like the Impossible Burger. In 2018, McDonald's also announced that it would remove all preservatives and artificial colors from seven burgers. The rest from seven burgers, just seven of them. Is that the char char grill? I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The restaurant also offers carrots, apple slices, and salads. You can get apple slices at Wendy's too. That's what I yeah. get instead of fries now. Oh, I love Wendy's fries. Um, I should especially get their. The apple I do slices. like their fries, but <laughs> I mean, um, I meant I meant at breakfast. Yeah. Sorry, instead of their like hash browns. Oh yeah, their hash browns are just. Uh, they're okay. I like they're like home fries instead of hash browns, which mm-hmm. is fine. I just was trying to not be a terrible human. <laughs> so I would get like a croissant sandwich and 
apple slices because it made me feel better. I love their um, honey and chicken biscuit. I'll like yes. that. I'm good so with good. that, actually. Um, the restaurant... Oh, da, 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 never mind. Okay, so, however, the changes weren't aren't always winning over customers. Although McDonald's now offers healthier sides, a recent study showed that the number of parents buying healthier sides with their kids' meals dropped between 2013 and 2016. That's not great. No. It's also been some shitty years. It's been some shitty times. Yeah. <laughs> so just oh, why not? Oh, goodness. <laughs> right? All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, get in the car. and <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'll probably order pizza tonight, though. Um, it sounds really good. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, you guys. Yeah. Um, we just had our 100th episode. so uh, That was wild. That um. was crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully it's a many more. Yeah. Um, well, we love you guys. Uh, hope you're having an, hope you're ha- gonna have a great weekend and remember, you are not a monster. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Cricket. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.